0: Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Weiland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarded sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. And Ryan, how's your journey going this morning?
1: It is going well because my journey per usual is filled by coffee, fueled by coffee. So we're we're all set. The journey we is- We are big fans of stimulants on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes, depressants in the evening, stimulants in the morning. Oh, nice! You got your coffee cup too. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I'm not waking up as early as you are, but man, I'm not getting
1: anything done without this. <laughs> Neither am I. Neither am I. But yeah, things are good. Things are good over here. More of the same, but can't complain. How about you?
0: Uh, well, it's been kind of uh good week for uh, the projects that I've been working on. Um, The other selves working group has uh, booked their next channeling intensive Mm -hmm. in May. Uh, So that's coming up and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, have been having lots of great conversations with different seekers. New people are seeking us out. That's exactly what I'd hoped. Uh, So it's just cool to find To, to have people find us and they always, they almost always are like ready. They're ready to do something. And it's not my place to say what they do. It's just that it's cool. It's really, really, uh, uh, validating. And, uh, it gives me a lot of hope to see other people reaching this awareness on their own terms and then finding us, you know, like it's not about finding us so much. Uh, it's about the awareness that they hold, but by finding us, we become aware of it, you know?
1: Yes. Well, there's something special. I, I continue to get occasional, occasional messages on the Living Love and Light podcast about someone just happens to find it and thoroughly enjoys the sessions. And I mean, that's not me. That's just, that's reading the messages. It's constantly like, wow, this message hit me hard this time, or boy, this message is relevant. And it's, I found that it is, uh, it's a very small, very small group of people. And every now and then I'll get a comment and I'll, I'll kind of know like, oh, this is going to be a new addition to that small group of people who consistently watch or listen. And, um, because for whatever reason, these messages are coming into their lives at this very opportune moment, or the, just the right moment, right? The planets are aligned; they're ready for they're ready for whatever it is these messages offer, and you know they resonate, they gravitate towards it. And so I'm sure it feel it might feel like that when you when you because I know you talk with more people than I do. Um, I wonder if it feels like that when you. When you reach out to someone, well, in the same way that you reached out to me, you know, it's like we connected because of where you were at in your life, which is you've been on this path for a while, but I was just getting started, but I was ready for that connection, you know. And so finding someone like you, it's, it felt like a, felt like a godsend, you know. That's,
0: that's exactly why I put all the work that I do into this group is because it's there. there's certainly no reason that one can't fully follow one's own path with no other selves who are conscious of the way that they're conceiving of approaching their path. Right? Like we all, whether we, whether we have any knowledge of the law of one, or we have other lenses through which we look at the, um, the meaning of life, or we don't have any concept of the meaning of life at all. And we're like total atheists, materialists, fundamentalists, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, we are all deep. We are all actually evolving. We're all actually working on our lessons, yeah. whether we're aware of it or not. Yeah. And so it's just great to find people with whom you can have this like, like a uh, conversation about what's going on through the lens that you're looking at it. It doesn't make yes. the lens right or wrong. It just makes communication possible,
1: right? Yeah. And it just helps you sort through. It just helps you sort through the things you have to sort through, and every. Everyone goes through this who is on a spiritual path, whether it be a new Christian, they've got questions about the Bible, they got questions about the, the teachings of Jesus, you know, or whether you, uh, um, you know, if your spiritual journey evolves, say you're a Christian and you convert to Islam, you're going to have questions about Muhammad. You need people to talk to, to help formulate your own answers about pinging ideas off of people and picking up what resonates, dropping the rest. And continuing forward on your journey. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like we're not supposed to take our own spiritual temperature for sure. But the more that we can have honest and direct conversations with people who are on the same path, the more we can see our reflection. Mm -hmm. The more the things that we're working on inside that are so hard sometimes to get a hold of can be reflected back to us and other people. And then that makes it a lot more tractable to work with. In fact, I think that's one of the subjects we're going to get into when we start talking about dreams, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, sorry, not dreams, but synchronicity.
1: Oh, synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. note. I saw that note you wrote on the Google doc. I'm like, Ooh, I like, it's been a while since I've felt a, a synchronicity. And there's part of me that's bummed <laughs> because every now and then one of those will happen and I'm like, oh, it's just a, it's a powerful moment for me. It's completely subjective, right? But it is a powerful moment. And maybe six months ago, I was talking with an old drum instructor of mine who was doing a career change. He was getting out of finance and he was trying, or I'm sorry, he was getting out of music teaching and into finance, very similar path to what I did. And, um, he was having synchronicities just stack up in his life, but he didn't have a word for it. And so he was telling us about all these interesting coincidences. (laughs) And I said, no, these are called synchronicities. And these are, in my perspective, these are cues that you are certainly on the right track, you know, or whatever move you're making, it's something you should lean into. That's been my... Subjective experience, but right, but he, even he could recognize those weird coincidences that were li- coincidences that were lining up in his life as he was making this transition. So, I wish I would get one of those. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah.
0: Well, um, <laughs> we will uh, we'll get into a mechanism by which you might be able to uh, achieve that. Ooh. Okay. I'm down. So, uh, without further ado, yes. Uh, let's let's go ahead and jump into this conscious channeling session from LL Research. It's uh, Carla Rooker channeling Kuo, and this is uh, October eleventh, two thousand five. And this session is a little bit different than what we normally read on this podcast because around this time in the mid two thousands, Carla started doing personal sessions with with uh, people. And uh, normally, yeah, yeah. So uh, in the archive, you'll see like Saturday meditation, Sunday meditation as the title. And then sometimes it will say special meditation. That usually means that the entire session is centered around one person's questions and kind of like things that they're working on. And uh, just like every other uh, LL research channeling, uh, they really don't they really stay away from too personal mm-hmm. information. They try to the, one of the reasons why I think it's such a good thing that they do that is that they can publish this without divulging any um, compromising details of mm-hmm. the person about whom they're talking. Um, and we can all benefit from mm-hmm. the advice or the the guidance that they they provide. And you know, there's things that, that this K uh, person, uh, their, their uh, first initial is K, uh, that there's things that they ask that all of us ask, right? Mm-hmm. Like things about relationships, things about, you know, guidance and like, am I on the path? Like <laughs> like 90% of the people always ask, hey, look, am yeah. I on the path? And of course, right? What's the answer is always, of course you are.
1: Yes. Of course you but, are. But am I on the right path? <laughs>
0: that's the, that's the hard one. Yeah, it's hard to accept that the path we're on is the right path. Sometimes at least, right? Even yeah. though like the answer is yes.
1: <laughs> the answer is yes. It might not it, we're might, all, it might not be the, it might not be the perfect path that you're on yeah. from your own perspective, but it is the path and maybe maybe part of the path is trying to find your perfect path or trying to recognize your path and just because you're constantly navigating. I mean, you're only in one direction. That direction is growth and learning. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. Yeah, and it always feels like, oh, am I am I doing the right things? I don't know. And um, it's like yes, you are. And that you know, yeah,
0: that's it. Well, it was, yeah. There were there was there was either a, a latos or Quo session from our uh, channeling intensive this summer where they were talking about like. I don't know if it was about right or wrong paths, but it was about, you know, the only thing that's separating you. I I guess the way that I would interpret into this context is the right path and the wrong path are just separated by time. Right. And Mm. you get to the right path through the wrong path. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, they're all part of the same thing. It's all one evolution. Mm-hmm. There's not these parts that are good and parts that are bad. The good depend on the bad. The bad depend on the good, right? Yeah. There's all this progressive learning. And uh, one 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 little uh, uh, pithy phrase that I always think about with, with issues like this is like, everybody is always doing the best they can. No matter yes. what they're doing, they're doing the best they can.
1: Yes. uh, uh Shame researcher Brene Brown and author oh. Brene Brown writes that uh, she consistently nails. They're doing the best they can with the tools that they have, and that's almost become a joke between my wife and I. Whenever she gets she gets upset with me in a funny in a funny way, uh, we give e- we just rib each other, and it's always <laughs> like my wife is doing the best she can with the tools <laughs> that she has, you know. Then she'll punch. It's me. just that it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. At, I'm terrible at Tetris with the uh, with the dishwasher. You know, so oh, she's God. constantly rearranging what I'm doing in the dishwasher, and she'll she'll lay it on me. He is doing the best he can with the tools that he has. So, but it's, that's that's so true. Everyone, in general, we do the best we can with what we have. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I also have a wife who uh, far exceeds me in spatial. Intelligence, so like she can pack so much stuff into the car that I would
1: just be like, I would pack half in, right? Because she can tetris it in, you know. Yeah. Well, when we moved from California up to Washington, I had to leave a few things in the garage for the garbage men, and uh, Pauline was like, you couldn't manage to figure out how to fit that these last like three things in there. I'm like, it was full. I just could not do it. So. Yeah, it's gotten me into trouble a couple of times, but oh, man. so be it. D- disappointing wives, something that
0: brings all husbands together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yep. All
0: um. right. Well, let's get into the uh meat and potatoes here. Uh yeah. so like I said, this is a this is a personal session. Um just just to give uh, uh, the listener that that context. Uh And the core question that Kay is asking, I'll go ahead and read here. I have felt very frustrated in that I do not seem to be able to more directly access my own inner guidance, intuition, or spirit in a more specific way. Could you please comment and provide any advice on how to increase this aspect of my knowingness? This issue leaves me feeling somewhat devoid of a guiding influence in attempting to do service to others, and feeling unsupported at times, can anybody relate to that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll skip over the the usual introduction introductory sections here, uh, and let's just start right after that, as we take up your query on guidance. We would note that the guidance system which belongs to you, and indeed that guidance system which belongs to each entity who seeks, is both a very substantial and firm part of your system and one that is closer to you than your breathing and nearer to you than your very heart, and also a delicate and subtle influence. So we would comment in various ways. Our first comment is that the system of guidance that is yours is not an importuning or encroaching presence. It does not of itself shake you or act as a kind of alarm clock that will on its own awaken you or alert you. It must be sought and asked for its help. This is a simple fact, and yet it is one which has often been that which is overlooked by those who seek. Uh, I think it's time to stop and just put underline that because I think this is the first and maybe the most important concept that I want this, uh, recording to be about. Guidance has to be asked for. It doesn't mean that you're not getting guidance when you don't ask for it, right? It just means that uh, on the law of one path, we try to uh, take, we try to participate more in our own spiritual evolution. We're always evolving. The idea is to participate in it more consciously. That's kind of how I conceive of it. And so this way of asking for guidance is a way that you take charge of uh uh your needs we all need help mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who we are it doesn't matter how quote unquote advanced we are we all need help and it just seems to be one of these concepts in seeking that in order for us to receive something uh some guidance some assistance uh, we have to first ask for. It. We have to
1: think to ask for it. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Um,
0: well, the only thing I would say is that this sounds a lot like Ra's concept of a planetary calling.
1: You'll have to explain that. Sure. Or remind. Uh,
0: yeah. So Ra, Ra says that uh, Confederation entities that come to assist the planet uh can only do so. As a result of the implicit calling for uh, help that the planet is registering. Yeah. Now, it's important to recognize that the calling is mostly subconscious, right?
1: Yes. Like
0: it's, it's underneath the surface of what most people are talking and thinking about. But, and that, and that's where I think the important, the magical issue is. Because when we can make that calling explicit through things like prayer through things like asking for guidance, through things like paying attention and looking for signs, we are starting to take more of a role in that. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to get great uh, insight or all of the clues are going to be completely and immediately helpful. It means we're starting to build this relationship, a relationship with deep mind, a relationship with our greater selves. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's not just about getting uh, benefits Consciously right now in our lives, it's important to recognize that this is the part, this is the start of a relationship with, with parts of yourself that you may not have had a handle on before, Mm -hmm. that you may not have known how to address within yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also uh, an opportunity to express humility and to recognize, you know, those of Ross say, understanding is not of this density. Yeah. So we're not going to like, like we've said many times in this podcast, we're not going to like brute force, like break the code, right? We're going, we're, we're not going to intellectually solve it. Uh, at the end of the day, we need to, it's, it's best if we can recognize that our participation um, in our spiritual evolution implies that it's not just about us, our conscious waking selves. There's a greater community involved, a community that's within us. A community that's without us, and you know, is the distinction really that important?
1: Hmm. It makes me wonder what Kay was going through to feel the need to ask this question. Like because I know that we've talked in the past about emotion and how emotion can serve as a as a cue, at least that's what I took from it. Emotion can serve as a cue that this is a challenge that you need to lean into. This is If this makes you happy, well, this is a direction you should be moving. Um, and we all have those gut feelings, you know, that inner voice that you may listen to or not. Some some people's inner voice has more chatter than others, but yeah. we all have that inner voice or that gut. So I wonder what Kay was going through to be like, yo, I can't figure out where to go. What direction? Because was Kay not having emotions Emotional signals or gut feelings that she could lean into, you know, just makes, just makes me wonder.
0: Well, uh, the, the questions at the end, towards the end of the session, once we get past the main message, mm-hmm. they offer some clues because she's okay. talking about her relationships mm-hmm. and those are, you tough. know, what, what's more confusing than that?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I can totally understand. And like, it's, it, it it's tough. Like a lot of times you just need reassurance that you're still in the game, right? You're, you need reassurance, not that you're doing everything perfectly, but that you're not completely lost the orientation aspect of life, right? This idea that you're not just waking up every day. And just floating through life and then going to sleep. And just every day is this kind of aimless wandering. Um, I mean, there's a certain sense in which that's not a completely unhealthy way to think about things. I mean, you really literally can do anything you want at any moment. But that said, um, we want to think of our lives as having a project, especially when we see, uh, when we feel the pull of service. When we feel the pull of service to others. When we see how much it's needed uh it it is it, it, we want our lives to fit into a context that orients ourselves towards that which we value and uh when we don't feel that and we've all been in that space where we feel disconnected and we don't know what we're doing and why uh i can i can certainly sympathize with her but like also i would say that like sometimes when you're not when you're blocked from any kind of intuition about what might be going on, you're doing the blocking. Mm. You mm-hmm. have not, I mean, some. I'm not trying to comment on Kay. I'm just trying to see her, the reflection of my issues in her in her statements. I assume it's a her at some point. I, I, I was trying to use they, but then.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I also assumed it was a her.
0: I think they say she or something at some point. I don't think we just make these things. (laughs) (laughs) In any case. uh, Yeah. I see. I see. uh, My issues aren't necessarily like relationship ones, Mm -hmm. but like I know what it's like to feel alone. And when I often feel alone, it's because I refuse to acknowledge something that needs to be acknowledged. I refuse to accept something that needs to be accepted. And so I'm like, it's kind of, like, it's it's kind of like I, you know, set my house on fire, and I'm like, why is it so warm in here? You know, like it, <laughs> you are, you, it's you, dude, right? Like mm-hmm. it's you doing it. <laughs> mm. It's hard to recognize.
1: It's hard this to recognize is where,
0: yeah. So this is where um, guidance can conceiving of guidance not just as voices in your head, right, but as kind of like anthropomorphized aspects of. Uh, the larger universe and the larger self can be a way to get a handle on these things and to start having a relationship with them that you can conceive of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're already in relationship with all these things. Mm-hmm. It's just about making them make sense to our, you know, conscious minds that need something, uh, you know, less abstract and more uh, fixed. Mm-hmm. They need to kind of like think they need to give names to things. Right. Sure. The confederation sure. always saying, ah, why do you care so much about names? But like, we as uh, waking consciousness third density entities don't have, don't see as much as Hatan and Axel and Latui do. Like, we need uh, ways of sort of like mapping out these relationships and keeping them in our head and noticing when they change, knowing that we can reach out to this aspect of ourselves and we need this kind of guidance, knowing that this part of the guidance uh, has our best interests at heart. And they and they conceive of our interests in this way of like, you know, it's from a higher level. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't really care what you had for breakfast. It doesn't yeah. care if the boss yelled at you or praised you, right? It's another level. The point is, is I think largely a lot of what, uh, like kind of like growing up spiritually is recognizing that truth occurs at different levels. And we have to be able to like move between these different contexts in order to live a spiritual life that's both spiritual and actually a life, actually a participation in human society. That's why I always talk about manifesting spirit into, into the world uh, and like clearing your mind to do that. Because I think that's at the end of the day, that over and over and over again, that model is what I feel keeps getting reinforced.
1: That's a great point. Finding truths at different levels because they yeah. do exist It. Because true again, truth is personal. Truth is individual, based on where you're at and your experiences in life and whatnot. So when you're talking with someone else, you're meeting with someone else. You've got to come to their level of understanding, or try to raise yourself to their level of understanding, and try to push yourself. So, yes, I, I think that's a great that's a great point.
0: R- Remember, in the last session we we looked at, they said at the beginning, like suspend logic for a moment, mm-hmm. and wait for the sum of things to show you kind of that map, that kind of like context, that, that broad array in the way that things relate to each other from that, uh, 30,000 foot view, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a role for things like logic within a particular context. But when we transcend that context, we need to be flexible. It doesn't mean that we abandon logic. We just understand where logic fits in, where it's going to help us, where it checks us for errors. Mm-hmm. It's not going to check us for errors very well when we're talking about ineffable things like the spirit. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to, and so like uh, we we need to be. I, I feel like a lot of the competency we're looking for is one that can move between these different levels and always have a self that
1: we can that we can recognize when we do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's keep reading. Keep uh, yeah. keep pushing on this one. You want, would you can you continue? Sure. Would you do the honors? <laughs> <laughs> Guidance is an energy,
0: which is so much a part of you that it came into enter, sorry, that it came into incarnation with you. Yet it comes from what this instrument would call the time, space, or metaphysical universe or creation that interpenetrates the physical universe, which your body and your mind enjoy at this time. It is not a part of space, time or consensus reality. It remains, it remains firmly fixed in the metaphysical or spiritual universe. Consequently, A short prayer will alert the guidance system that you are ready to receive information. Indeed, it is a good idea at the very beginning of each day to ask for the guidance system to get turned on and left on for the day. It will naturally, and as a part of the experience of sleeping and dreaming, work with the dreams and the impressions that you receive upon awakening. You do not have to ask for guidance to speak with you in order for it to work with you during the dreaming and sleeping processes. However, when you are awake and functioning with the brain that is part of space-time, working in problem-solving mode, then it is well to request that guidance be able to speak to you. A simple request is all that is is needed. It does not have to be said out loud. It can be strictly mental. As long as your mental processes are such that you are able to make a clear and distinct request, request without speaking out loud, if there is any doubt within you at all concerning this point, we would suggest that you go ahead and speak out loud. What do you think of that, Ryan?
1: I think it's great because at minimum, even if you take the spirituality aspect out of it, the, the idea of asking, of articulating a request for guidance, at minimum primes your brain to be thinking in the moment. I would imagine that it would prime your brain to be thinking in the moment. And so that you're not completely checked out as far as the path that you are headed on in the moment of conversation, in the moment of decision making, in the moment of action, whatever it is. I would imagine this just helps. Um, And uh, as far as, I mean, as far as the asking and uh, the dreaming, you know, um, I think we've talked about that before um, where I, I like to do this. Every night, <laughs> it, um, it doesn't, I don't get guidance every night, but every now and then I'll have a quite memorable dream that I I will, A, remember, B, remember to write down <laughs> so I, I'll remember it for a while, and then C, that gives me a chance to stew on that experience in the dream, which quite often, I mean, I remember it because it, it, it pushes me, it challenges me, and if I can sort through it, there's often a lesson hidden in there uh, that contributes to where I'm at in my life.
0: Yeah, and and that's a great example of how the problem-solving mode, quote unquote, can work with this guidance. It doesn't have to be a conflict and only one can win, right? Um we we uh we first ask for this guidance, so we open ourselves up to it whatever it is. And that kind of openness and receptiveness is a big part of uh like what makes it like this really powerful spiritual thing. Um, It's a very archetypal stance. Hmm. Um, And like, once we open ourselves to it, we sort of register in our own heads, register in our lives, our need for this, uh, the calling that we're making essentially. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's just about trying to take this guidance and understand it in the context of our lives and, um, yeah, yeah, other than that, I think it's pretty straightforward <laughs> yeah ask yeah <laughs> ask ask
1: initial i think it's, i, I
0: it, it's something that I've started to do in my daily practice where I make an explicit ask of the Creator, like, I want your guidance today,
1: yes, and again i'd even I'd even stress you remove the spirituality from it, there are corollaries in say, entrepreneurship, when you are just focused on an idea of something you want to work on, something you want to do, Your something happens in your brain. Well, if you're non-spiritual, something happens in your brain. If you're spiritual, something happens to the universe or the career or whatever, you know. But something happens to where you are open to these ideas. You are open to opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise be open to because your mind is realigning with a new goal. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that programming, there's something about that, that realignment of your direction that simply opens you up to new opportunity. And I think when you, I think, I think, friends, this is just my opinion, I think when I ask for guidance and help, I am simply just more present in the moment and I'm checking in with my gut, I'm checking in with my emotions just moment to moment. Um, I'm just more present and I trust those feelings that I'm having um, in those moments. Uh, And I just, as long as I'm trying to stay true to myself and what I'm feeling and I'm being honest, then I feel like I'm, I'm moving in that right direction or I'm making those correct choices.
0: Yeah, I and I, and I really appreciate what you're saying about, you know, comparing and contrasting, uh, approaching this from a spiritual point of view to how secular or non-spiritual people approach it. Because I don't think it's really that different Correct. in the experience.
1: Correct. It's
0: different. Yeah. It's different in like how we label it. Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: And there's... Uh, you know, I'm really influenced on this by Carl Jung because, uh, he wrote a book called, uh, the undiscovered self that was huge on my path. Mm-hmm. And he was basically in a lot of it making the point that, you know, within our liberal, secular, like international order, you know, capitalist order, like we have all these like systems, mm-hmm. like all of these things are like human creations. They may or may not be good. And, 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 and from what vantage point do we actually judge whether they're good or not? There must be some overarching way of looking at it that transcends the systems mm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't know what's right or wrong. We would just do whatever we used to do, right? Yeah. We would just be conservative. Yeah. Um. And uh, he, you know, there's a there's a quote I have from The Undiscovered Self. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Do you mind if I read it? No, go for it. All right. So he's trying to. Uh, talk about, and, and and actually he's talking about guidance here, but he, he, uh, frames it in this way that I think is really useful. Okay. So here's Carl, Carl Jung, the undiscovered self page 64. The religious person enjoys a great advantage when it comes to answering the crucial question that hangs over our time, like a threat. He has a clear idea of the way his subjective existence is grounded in his relation to God. I put the word God, in quotes, in order to indicate that we are dealing with an anthropomorphic idea whose dynamism and symbolism are filtered through the medium of the unconscious psyche. Anyone who wants to can at least draw near to the source of such experiences, no matter whether he believes in God or not. Without this approach, it is only in rare cases that we witness those miraculous conversions of which Paul's Damascus experience is the prototype. Mm. That religious experiences exist no longer needs proof, but it will always remain doubtful whether what metaphysics and theology call God and the gods is the real ground of these experiences. The question is idle, actually. It answers itself by reason of the subjectively overwhelming numinosity of the experience. Anyone who has had it is seized by it and therefore not in a position to indulge in fruitless metaphysical or epistemological speculations. Absolute certainty brings its own evidence and has no need of anthropomorphic proofs. Hmm. So in that, I don't know if that was uh really opaque there. <laughs> that one's <laughs> But deep. he's he's talking about how whether you're spiritual or not, you recognize that there's this gigantic plenum of self that is mysterious Mm -hmm. and that whatever it is that we're doing in on this world in this world must be grounded in that larger self whether you call it god or not whether you call it the unconscious uh you know the id or whatever uh and uh to to and this is why like you know you get to a certain point where like you know the does god exist like debate oh my Mm -hmm. god it's so boring right because like it depends, right? It depends on what you mean by God. It depends on what you mean by yourself. Like it depends on what you mean by reality, right? Yeah. And who can possibly care about quibbling on such things when the experiences of faith, once you have them, <laughs> supersede right. anything it that anybody else or yourself could say. Yes. You cannot deny them. That's what makes them powerful. That's why they move empires to existence. That's why they like, you know, tear them
1: down. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point.
0: Anyway, I hope that wasn't too big of a digression, but I, and I, and I hope I haven't quoted that before. I I have a feeling I did on the spirit complex one.
1: I know you've brought up Carl Jung before and his importance in your journey, but I don't think we've read that, that paragraph or that, cool that writing before. That's a new one. Yeah. And I, cool. All
0: right. Well, I I think the only other point I want to make is that prayer. It's a very uh, pedestrian concept for a lot of us, but it is by its very nature, part of this asking for help, part of this calling, part of this receptiveness. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things Carla taught me is that these old Christian ideas, these old practices have a basis in even the most sophisticated spiritual practice. They just need to be enlivened with this larger map of what's going on, this larger context Mm -hmm. of what's going on. Mm -hmm. In any case, uh, Cool. Uh, And we understand what uh, the difference between time, space and space, time, time, space, metaphysical reality. When, when, when time, space or the metaphysical universe, when, when, when Kuo or Carla are talking about that, they mean that larger unseen context for everything.
1: It's the, I would say it's the metaphysical or spiritual corollary to the present Reality. Bingo. It's like they call it, yeah. they talk about. It's two sides of the coin. You got space time is where we're at today, but time space is that just on the other end of the on the other side of the veil. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like I think on a future episode we'll get into the distinctions between the two hmm. terms. Hmm. Um, that would be
1: good to go That'd into. Be fun.
0: Yeah. All right. This instrument often does so. Uh, that is. uh, Uh, speaking her request for guidance out loud. This instrument often does so because she is aware of the power and strength of her mental processes in terms of her intellectual mind. So she will say, come Holy Spirit, fill the heart of your faithful and kindle in her the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and she shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. This is a prayer that she uses frequently in order to tune. We offer this text to you as a possibility for you to consider if it seems to have resonance for you. A shorter form of this, which the instrument also uses upon occasion, is, Come, Holy Spirit, and that right quickly. You can also simply say, Help. This instrument sometimes does that, saying to her guidance system, Holly, help. She calls her guidance system Holly. Any way of expressing this request that seems most natural and resonant to you, my sister, is the one we would suggest. All right, there's the mm-hmm. clue on the gender of the mm-hmm. person asking for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think there's too much that we need to parse out here. No,
1: ask for help. That's it. Ask. Yeah.
0: Yeah, asking for guidance allows for options not available to the reasoning mind. Um, I would also say that like there's a lot of stuff that she's talking about that's very similar to tuning for channeling. And we'll go into that a little more Mm -hmm. uh, very shortly. Mm -hmm. Um, And just releasing the need to have it all figured out and learning to lean upon things that we can't see that nevertheless exist. I mean, that's kind of what faith is. and, And that's why it's so powerful because you're leveraging unseen resources. And so you can live your life in this larger context, even though, all the evidence says that you're in the smaller context. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really gratifying, yeah. I think, when it, when it works.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: It is not only at the beginning of the day that this request may be made effectively. At a time of your choosing, when you have a bit more spare time, shall we say, <laughs> at a time of your choosing, when you have a bit of spare time, shall we say, that can be used to make more firm contact with your guidance system, you may sit down, rest, and clear your mind. And then repeat any of those prayers which we have offered as examples for your resources in this wise. When you wish to inaugurate an actual conversation with your guidance, we have two suggestions for your consideration. They may be taken literally. They also may be taken figuratively and the essence of the suggestions used rather than the form. The first suggestion is that you sit down with a pad of paper or a computer keyboard handy. And after clearing your mind, inaugurate a conversation with your guidance. It helps in terms of feeling natural in doing this for you to identify for yourself the name that you wish to call your guidance system. This instrument, for instance, as a mystical Christian, identifies her guidance system as the Holy Spirit, whom she long ago nicknamed Holly, feeling that it had more respectful and more personal, that is, more respectful and more personal to have a human kind of name rather than simply calling the guidance system the Holy Spirit, which is a generic term each guy each person's guidance system is unique and so consequently when you simply call upon guidance you are calling upon the generic version of guidance which is helpful but not as helpful as calling forth or invoking your personal guidance um so this is really interesting um i uh do not invoke guidance in this personal way hmm and it reading through this uh, session again has kind of made me wonder whether I should change my practice. Although I would also note that uh, I definitely use the essence of these subge- suggestions, right? So mm-hmm. I, I definitely have concepts of my guidance uh, because I need them for uh, channeling preliminaries, but they don't really... I I can't possibly think of a name for them. (laughs) (laughs) At least one hasn't occurred to me. I was
1: going to ask you. uh, First of all, I love that she's named her Holy Spirit Holly. That is is, very Carla. That is very fun. Um, But yeah, I wonder what I would name my Holy Spirit. (laughs) I'm going to have to think about
0: that. Well, just like uh, coming up with concepts of who my guides are, the visualizations Mm. that I do, uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of deep. Uh, work with rigorous honesty, trying to get impressions that could then be built upon. Hmm. But I don't think it needs to be like that for most people. Uh, it probably doesn't even need to be like that for me. Like, you know, what What do you feel like calling them? You can always change it, you know? Like, yeah.
1: Well, maybe <laughs> but, just just trying to, for a moment, recognize that they they are a part of you, but for a moment, separate them out as if they are somewhat separate providing advice yes. to you that it's not some internal thing that you're looking for it's kind of an external stimulus or an external recommendation on on you know on what's going on in your life or where you should be going yes by taking these things
0: out of the self and thinking of them as separate concepts we make them uh, uh able to be worked with mm-hmm. able to be talked to um you know yeah. people don't look kindly on talking to yourself necessarily but if you think of it as a different person, then somehow it makes it a little easier to do. Yeah. And maybe that would be very helpful to me because I don't find myself doing that. I tend to appeal to the impersonal guidance. I tend to appeal to the creator. And it's interesting because by definition, that that um, creates an impression within me when I do that, that I'm not talking to somebody who, is personally there for me.
1: That's funny, because is it not the same thing, just on a different level?
0: That's, it's the different level that I'm interested in. It's absolutely the same thing. We know that. Mm-hmm. The question is, is like, how are you using it? Mm-hmm. How are you uh, mobilizing that concept? Are you mobilizing that concept as something impersonal or personal? And the distinction between the two, I don't think I've sufficiently appreciated in the past. And Carla makes it very clear that there is value to having a personal relationship with guidance mm-hmm. and being able to have these conversations on a human level and not just on like, you know, asking, you know, a great power.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, what immediately comes to mind, I think this is in A Course of Miracles where it's written in, I think it's somewhere in the beginning where Jesus said that. Jesus said that when Jesus said you get to God through me. It's only because God is so so far away you have to go through like the where I'm at right now. Like it's not that you that I'm the gatekeeper, but it's like I'm the path. Like you gotta go through these stages, or at least this is how I understood it. Um but that yeah, maybe that God idea is so large, it's so separate from where we are. We have to use something that's a little closer to us, and whether that be our our higher selves, or or these two aspects—the masculine and feminine of, of who we are—or whether it be a figure like Jesus. But we, it feels like we have to get external, even though, you know, in theory we are we are all one. We're all a part of we're all a part of God. So it's hard to get external when when we are a part of everything, and everything is a part of us.
0: But let's be clear on what the what the what the purpose is. The purpose. Is to make ourselves receptive to something that we can't possibly conceive of. Mm, mm -hmm. And through the formulation of that request for help, it clarifies and focuses it in a way that if we're just dealing with incoate emotions and thoughts within ourselves, we might not be able to like organize it in a way that makes sense.
1: Mm, That's a good point.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's always about, and like, this is a constant theme in Confederation philosophy of focusing out. And seeing the truth at that level, mm-hmm. focusing way in and seeing the truth at that level, there seems to be something very primal about the creator's, uh, need or the creator's method of, uh, uh, experiencing the illusion through these different kinds of focuses. Right. And like at these different levels, different, different things are, in, inco- and yet it's all the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's get into the meat of this. So now we're going to get into one method of contacting guidance that those of Quo suggest, which is, as I understand it, automatic writing. Okay. Quo says, the invocation of guidance having been done, we would then suggest that you write or type your basic concern. You come to the moment of asking for guidance because of a certain concern. Identify that concern to guidance, and ask for any information, resources, or comments that guidance may offer you at this time. Keep your fingers on your pen or poised over the keyboard, and no matter what your next impression is, write it down. Upon reading what you have now written, you will form a further comment to guidance. Type that or write that down, and again, await the next thought that pops into your mind. When you begin getting that thought, again, without comment, criticism, or questioning, Write down what you were impressed with. Again, read what you have received. Form your next question or comment and write that down. In this way, you are staying safely within your guidance system, which is protected and is completely within your etheric or electrical body. It is a protected and safe procedure as long as you are focusing completely within these parameters. This is the first way of becoming able to feel more concretely anchored within your guidance system and more specific in your ability to receive information from guidance. I think this is
1: great, I think this is great i should try this i should I should try this. I should try this for people who don't know. This is how conversations with God was written um great, yeah. a great series of books, um, but this is how that was written. Dude just started writing, and it felt like it wasn't him who was writing. It felt like it was something else coming through him. so, um wonder what an interesting experience that would be, you know?
0: yeah, I would um so. I would throw a, another detail into here that I don't know if uh, I think Carla would would also say this, but I can't be one hundred percent sure. So take it with a grain of salt. This is more Jeremy's thing, but like when they talk about uh, the protected nature of this activity, right? Mm-hmm. There, I I I see something very specific there. Uh, remember, there is a uh, rule about channeling that you never do it without at least 3 people involved one channel at least one channel and at least two other people holding energy mm-hmm. and uh the reason for that is that you're trying to bring through information that's generally useful to people you're you're trying to bring through the highest and best that you can but it's not just for yourself this automatic writing is for yourself mm. it is not like notice in here, there's nothing that says that you should publish this on a site and, you know, build a cult out of it, right? Like they are just talking about your personal work. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because you're not doing outer planes work where you're trying to contact, you know, uh, raw or, uh or, or Litos or any of these uh, entities. You're just working with your own resources. When you're working with your own resources, you're protected. You are not Entering into a situation where a special, uh, uh, psychic greeting or, uh, any kind of like that, uh, danger, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, is at work. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is just you being a person, you being an entity, a mind, body, spirit complex. And this is, uh, this is your domain.
1: Mm -hmm. Noted. (laughs) Noted.
0: And in and I, and that last part, uh, this is the first way of becoming able to feel more concretely anchored within your guidance system and more specific in your ability to receive information from guidance. Both of those things are important, I think. That anchoring is what we all crave, right? It's not that we have, we don't need necessarily to have it all explained and have it all be clear. We just need to have that feeling, that feeling that Carl Jung was talking about of being anchored in a bigger context than the you know craziness I see when I open my eyes every day, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and like we said, uh, the specific request is not just about making the request specific. It's about making your concept of what you're asking for specific and thereby sorting and uh, cleaning up your thoughts about it. By doing that, you help yourself just as much as by receiving the outside information I would say
1: yeah no I agree I agree and i would I would also reiterate or stress that point of needing an anchor um, yeah, it's hard to be a, a ship afloat at sea without <laughs> without any control, you know or without any frame of reference it's uh yeah, those anchors are important.
0: They are, and the foundation anchor, I think, is the the one that you do uh, when you meditate. Mm-hmm. That 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 is, I think, where everything starts on your path.
1: I think the Confederation just may agree with you, which is why they reiterated. Still, <laughs> you, you know, know,
0: they may agree with me, but they may have some like slight quibble with how I phrased it. So this is true. I yeah, take it with a grain of salt, and you know, <laughs> consult your guidance. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to the second way. Yeah. This one's interesting. Uh, Yeah. So Kuo says, the second way we would suggest to you is somewhat more complicated, but we feel that in your case, my sister, it may be well to take the time to go through the basic procedure for creating for yourself a place for inner work. This instrument has done so and has found it helpful. It is a procedure that she learned from an entity who was teaching principles, which he had learned from the so-called Silva mind control technique. It is not a faithful reproduction of such techniques, but it is in fact an alteration of those techniques that this instrument has found helpful. We will use this instrument's technique in explaining to you the basic process of creating what this instrument would call a place of working. Just a little aside here. This is straight up what LL Research teaches for channeling preliminaries. The whole point is to visualize for yourself a place of working so that then you can engage in something that's distinct from everyday living and Mm. therefore magically empowered. Mm. Uh, Creating this distinction allows for you to live a mundane human life, but also be able to like dip into those areas of spirit and have each be pure. Mm. Recognizing that it's all one thing, right? We are making that distinction, not because they're separate, but because we want to make that distinction in order to use this this the self in a polarized way, right?
1: Well, creating a different space that is distinct for you to do, say, spiritual work or internal work. Um, this makes me think of when professional athletes are getting ready for their getting ready for the game and there's a ritual that each athlete each dare I say good athlete goes through so that by the time the uh the game starts they're in a very different mindset than they were just 2 or 3 hours before or the day before whatever you know whatever the time is but it it feels different it feels very different when you're um when you create that space for yourself and you stay consistent with how you're approaching that space so, and I think, I think actors do this, but like getting themselves into character, they come up with, I believe systems so that they can on a dime become the character that they've been working on, uh, because they're in a different mental space.
0: Yeah. Uh, who knew that the jocks and the drama kids were so magically potent, right? Others well, just, <laughs> I guess it's good <laughs> to it's know true. That
1: there are lessons to be pulled from everywhere. You know,
0: it, it's totally true. And like, yeah. And like, it's funny how people find this out for themselves.' I'm not mm. taught this usually, mm-hmm. they figure it out, yeah, and you know on the on the on the loosened it's uh, pure- uh superstition, right, yeah, oh, like I have to be chewing this gum when I go to bat or you know, but like that's a very, very unsophisticated version. uh, they can also do much more sophisticated stuff, like just put themselves in a state of mind,
1: yeah, there's an old football movie. It's in I think it's just in the seventies or eighties. But um but in this movie one of these one of these football players has got to go in for surgery and one of his teammates is talking to the doc, saying, like, Doc, you don't wanna do this surgery tomorrow at three PM. That's game time. And over the course of this guy's career, like he's you know, he's gonna be prime you don't want his body and mind in that And you want him when he's relaxed, like, so we should wait two or three days, you know, when it's not game time, but, uh, yeah, totally medically
0: insignificant. Right. (laughs) But like, if you think the body is just a machine, then yeah, it is insignificant. Mm. Uh, but it, it is, it it is interesting, right. That, um, those who, uh, uh, depend upon the body most Mm. tend to take the mind very, very seriously. Don't they though? Yeah.
1: Don't they though? Well, maybe those who rely on the body most understand that without the mind, your body's not going to operate how you want it,
0: uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I have flashes of the uh, the second cycle of the tarot cards are appearing in my head. <laughs> I'm thinking in particular of that lady with her hands over the lion's mouth, mm. that whole discipline idea of the body, you know, like the mind comes into the body to... Uh, take it out of its even and balanced functioning, and to point it in a direction and mm-hmm. push it towards a polarized purpose, mm. and that takes will and effort and structure. Yeah. And the the idea is we can also use those structures uh, very negatively as well too to beat ourselves down. To uh, I mean repression, yeah, <laughs> is a yeah. is like a psychic structure that you've created. Mm-hmm. So there there there's all sorts of different ways to use this, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's keep pushing. Tell me how, uh, how we create this space uh, for, for guidance.
0: All right. Kuo says, step one is to ask yourself, where upon this earth in terms of location and geography, your favorite place resides? Where do you feel most at home, most protected, most safe and secure? When you have that location firmly in mind, then we would proceed to step two. Step two involves creating for yourself in that place, a place of working. If that place that you have chosen is is a building or contains a building, then we would suggest that you create for yourself within that actual building a mentally constructed room. It can be a copy of an actual room in that dwelling, or it can be a room that you have created completely out of imagination. It is, however, attached in your mind to that safe place. Created very consciously as a sacred sacred place. Hmm. Create it as you would wish it. If you feel it needs a kitchen, make yourself a little kitchenette. If you feel it needs a bathroom, make yourself a bathroom. If you feel you need an office, make yourself an office. And most importantly, if you would like to have an inner sanctum, where you go after you enter this basic sacred space, create for yourself that sanctum sanctorum, which is where you shall do your actual working. Anything we want to talk about here?
1: No, it's just, it's fun. Make it your own. What yep. was saying? Give it, give it yep. a bathroom if that is your sacred if that's your sacred space. <laughs> it, give it a bathroom if it needs a bathroom.
0: Make it your own and making it your own means making it detailed and specific. Yes. Yes. So we're taking the undifferentiated realm of spirit and uh, intelligent infinity and time space and metaphysics, and we're trying to give it specific addressable details. So that we as conscious being it, in time space, in dream state, we don't need this. Mm. But here we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before you go any further, create for yourself every comfort, every convenience, and every amenity. For instance, this instrument, feeling that she wanted the comfort of all of her information at hand, created for herself a room in which there was there were office files, a desk, a computer, and so forth. So that she would know all the information that she needed to do her work would be on hand, And if at any time she wished to consult any of that information, she could go mentally to the filing cabinet and ask for the appropriate documents to be given to her. In fact, this instrument has never opened that filing cabinet, for in spirit there is no literal need for such. However, because it helps to create a sense of safety and security for this instrument so that she can do her work better, she has this office which she has furnished with her favorite kind of rug and her favorite kind of office furniture, her favorite kind of lighting, and so forth. The goal here is not to create a specific kind of workspace, but to create your ideal workspace. So let this ideation and visualization process be as long as it needs to be, and as careful and detailed as it needs to be, in order for you to create a very recognizable, safe, and sacred working space. So, like, just to comment here. Like, I, I was saying that you know these details allow you to work with it consciously and kind of imagine yourself in a in a in a room and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only needs to be as detailed as it needs to be. Yes. So like my working space has very few details, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to go into it because it's part of my process and I need to keep that private. But, uh, you know, it's really about, here's the thing. When you are doing this design, when you are doing this imagining of finding your guidance, Right you might think that you're engaged in a complete like mental creation from scratch and that you're just making things up and you don't know whether what you're getting is real or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And the point is, is like, you're not going to know that you can only go on feeling. And so that's why this is such a good exercise apart from the visualization, because it's one of the first and most clear ways that you can start working with your own sincerity and honesty with yourself. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you do any channeling or anything like that, like that, the ability to touch into that part of yourself that cannot be denied uh, is part of awakening. That's a great point. full stop. Yeah, it's a great point. Kuo continues, when you have all other details attended to, we would ask that you create in your working space, whether it be one room or whether you have created an inner sanctum, two doors, one on either side of a central screen. The screen is a way of objectifying within your mental processes the visualization process of doing your spiritual work. The doors on either side of this central screen represent the openings to the Holy Spirit, as this instrument would call this energy, or your guidance system. In order to balance your request for guidance, the door on the left of the screen represents the masculine energies of guidance. The door to the right of the central screen represents your access to the feminine portion of the energy of your guidance system. Create for yourself your most comfortable setting, sitting, resting, or standing position for doing work. This is entirely up to your discretion. Many of those who visualize doing their work in the seated cross-legged position that is often used by those who are working with oriental meditation systems. This instrument uses a recliner as her visualized most comfortable seating. Visualize two places, one on either side of you, for the guidance that you call forth. Uh, Anything we want to jump in here?
1: No, it's just... Uh,
0: do we need to get into the masculine-feminine thing?
1: No, but it's an, it's, <clears throat> it's an interesting point that in your space, we are allowing an opportunity for two aspects, masculine and feminine. And I know that there's a third here that she'll go into, but still the idea that the guidance that we're looking for already, there's a, there's a monkey wrench being thrown into someone who may not have any concept of this. Oh, it's, I'm not just looking, listening for one voice. I'm going to get multiple opinions on on guidance. Oh boy. But interesting idea that we've got two doors that we are going to get set up in our mind's eye.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't place a lot of emphasis on the fact that there are doors for these people. I just, I do place a lot of emphasis on the position.
1: The left and right.
0: Masculine is on the left, is on my left and is on my right
1: rather than up or down or front and back i mean why is it the left and the right that is meaningful to well, you it's, it's
0: it's it's not that it's other than anything i mean they could just be directly in front of oh, me right okay. they could yeah they could okay. be floating but like um i i can't say off the top of my head why those particular positions are significant um and, it, and it's funny because I, I, if if it, if I were doing this from scratch without Carla's guidance, I would normally think that the feminine would be on the left and the masculine would be on the right because the feminine is more of the attractive, you know, quote unquote negative. The the mm-hmm. masculine is archetypally positive and radiative. Uh, I have considered in the past that they're switched to balance.
1: Are you left-handed? I wonder if there's any corollary between uh, like left brain, right brain and the way that you've internalized, you know, the arc, the masculine, feminine archetypes with the, you know, the, the assumptions about left brain, right brain functionality. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Interesting. It's interesting, but it's funny because it's
0: it's an interesting point because
1: if going right to my mind's eye spur of the moment, I too am like dudes on the left, ladies on the right (laughs) or masculine on the left feminine on the right so that's it's interesting that uh, that's interesting
0: it's I I think the most important thing is that you're dealing with these polarized aspects of yourself that's what's important but uh, I will say that I do like I said before I get a sense that like putting the feminine on the on the right balances the feminine's innate leftness and the same thing with Mm. the masculine Mm. like it's kind of a balancing sure sure Um, yeah in any case yeah I, I don't usually put that much import on it, though. Uh, the important thing is to like look at these figures for me and to, and to kind of get the sense of what they're trying to convey to me, because it's usually not through words. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- 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 when you are ready to do your work, Kuo says, stand in front of the seating that you have created for yourself. Mentally turn on the screen so that it is alive and lit and ready to receive impressions and to give forth images. Then call forth your guidance saying, I call forth guidance or come Holy Spirit or whatever phrase most satisfies you as expressing your desire for your guidance to manifest your guidance system to manifest itself to you. It is well when beginning this practice to call one aspect of guidance at a time. When you, call, when you first call your masculine guidance, you may receive, sorry, when you first call your masculine guidance, you may extend your hand to the door and ask that guidance to come forth. You will receive the impression of an entity who is walking towards you. Observe that entity insofar as you receive impressions. The entity may have a name. It may have a face that is familiar to you, or it may not be familiar to you. Become familiarized with this entity. You may ask its name, or you may simply greet it and thank it. Then turn to the other door and by gesture or word, invoke the other portion of spirit. Again, take the time initially to look at, familiarize yourself with, and become conversant with this entity. It may have a name. It may have a, un- it may have a recognizable or an unfamiliar face. Welcome it and thank it. When you have greeted these two aspects of your guidance system, invite them to sit with you. It may be helpful for you to ask them to take your hands, as this instrument does, so that you are physically, in terms of your visualization, linked with and connected to your guidance system. This is the procedure for becoming ready in this visualization to do work in consciousness in your place of working. Anything we want to say here?
1: No, no.
0: Uh, I just like to throw in an idea that like when we first learned this is almost exactly the technique that Carla taught, Mm -hmm. uh, for channeling and, and doing your preliminaries to set up this working space. And one of the things that she said when, when when she taught it uh was that this is a starting point. The point is not to do Carla's <laughs> uh ritual, sure. right? The point is to do your own. And it can color outside of these lines. But I will say, starting here and using these parameters, parameters to sort of like dial in where you want to be creative is really, really helpful. So that when you do Uh, Break the rules or color outside the lines. You're doing it because you know it has some significance to you. Interesting. That creativity loves constraints kind of thing that I keep talking about. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Before we move forward with a discussion on how to proceed from this point, Kuo says, we would move back into comments concerning your own inner work as you come to the moment of entry into the place of working. It is very helpful for you to determine for yourself a method of tuning your being, to do this work in consciousness. The normal and everyday state of consciousness of which this instrument would call even the best of us is less than the optimal tuning position or rate of vibration for doing work in consciousness. Depending on what you have on your mind or on your schedule, you may well be in a somewhat scattered frame of mind, which you would describe to yourself as not being your best or highest self. Your goal then is to tune this very powerful entity that you are up from its present, everyday, and ordinary state of mind to the state of mind that, you, that would be the highest and best tuning that you can carry in a stable and conscious manner. You do not want to go beyond that which you can carry, being quite awake and quite alert. But you do wish to do the work necessary to sharpen and hone your true self so that you are expressing the highest and best version of who you are when you come to the moment of contact with spiritual guidance that is yours. When you have achieved this, you may then approach the door to your dwelling. If you do not actually have a dwelling in your favorite place, then you simply need to construct the outer walls of the sacred space as a boat on the water, a cabana on the sand, or whatever fits in the environment you have chosen for your magical work. I probably should have stopped paragraph before this paragraph, but um, anything we need to talk about with the tuning? Obviously, the the channeling parallels should be clear at this point. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, it, It Feels like just one of those things that takes some reps and some practice, you know. It because this this is new for me to read. It's like, ooh, I should yeah. give this a try. I wonder what um it's it would be nice to build yourself a little checklist as you're first starting, you know, as you're first starting to, to try this out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I you know. Yeah, I, I guess a checklist would be good. I would want a checklist when I was starting out, even though now I'd be like, ah, oh, you don't make it a rote. you know routine or anything like that but like in a way you are making a rote routine it just needs to be your routine
1: yeah yes
0: yeah but i i would say that like the practice of daily meditation is going to help you understand when you are bringing your highest and best because that's not always clear to people Hmm. it's not always clear to me uh but I know that when I'm able to get quiet and really sit with the full being that I am, and not just thinking about you know the details of the day and whatever, it's possible for me to see myself in a much uh, objective is the wrong word, right? But like you c- you can see yourself a little bit more clearly. You can see some of the virtues uh, that don't come that don't get used very often in normal life. And that's what you want to bring to spirit, that full self that has all those virtues that so often are go un- they go unappreciated
1: in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just takes practice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you are satisfied that your tuning is complete, Kuo says, you may then ask for the keeper of your sacred space to come forward. This is a convention which this instrument has learned from the practices of the spiritualist church. We are not suggesting that you create a seance atmosphere or that you will be speaking with inner spirits of any kind. However, the convention of having a gatekeeper is a powerful and helpful one to our point of view. It is the gatekeeper that the responsibility, it is to this gatekeeper that the responsibility for guarding your back is given. Therefore, when you are tuned, ask for your gatekeeper to appear. You will not know what this gatekeeper is like until you ask. Depending on your personality and your training, the gatekeeper may be virtually anybody or anything. If it is an animal, however, it will have the capacity for communication with you. If it is a color, it will have the ability to share information. For most entities who do this kind of work, the gatekeeper turns out to be a human. Whether of this world or of the inner planes, it is not necessary that this entity have a name. The one known as Carla calls her gatekeeper Mrs. Gatekeeper. Because when she created her place of working, she created it in a place which already had a woman who lived there. She was the wife of the head of a school, and this instrument's favorite place happened to be one of the buildings on a large campus. Therefore, she simply calls her gatekeeper Mrs. Gatekeeper. But she sees the pleasant and careworn face of a middle-aged woman who has acted as a housekeeper and mother to the students of this particular school. So again, you can see Carla's bringing her own experiences, yeah. her own uh, like feelings into this.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know anything about the spiritualist church. I wish I could speak to that. I think they just did a lot of seances back Mm. in the late 1800s. Nor do I, nor do I just part of this patrimony of channeling and weird stuff that we deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Kuo says, uh, when you address your gatekeeper, simply ask if you are in a good position to do work in consciousness. If you receive a yes, then you may proceed inward after thanking the gatekeeper and asking this gatekeeper to remain on duty and to alert you if there's any problem whatsoever. If the gatekeeper has concerns, then that entity will express them to you. Listen to the gatekeeper and, insofar as you are able, address the concern. Once you have been okayed for work, then you may step into your dwelling or your sacred space, close the door behind you, and begin the protocol we we described previously. Uh, anything we need to say about this gatekeeper? I, this is a very important function of the gatekeeper. It's literally the point where you ask yourself, am I good?
1: Yes. I, uh,
0: and you're not supposed to answer yourself or at least the, you asking isn't supposed to do it.
1: Yeah. I can appreciate that. You
0: know, you're like, it's almost like you're channeling the answer and the answer is yes or
1: no. Right. Yes. And can you... But
0: this is a kind of divination within all this, yeah, you know?
1: But can you trust the answer that you get if it's a no? Exactly. It's
0: like, really? <laughs> like, why did I get it a no? <laughs> and, and, and the way to... I, I will tell you from experience, uh, the way that you trust it is by you always obey it. Hmm. Okay. If you don't obey it, then you're never going... You're always going to be second-guessing yourself. Yeah. Second-guessing yourself is the death of this process. Yes you have to be able to build some way that you can stand on your own two feet in your own truth and know that what's going on has significance that is of import. And the only way you can do that is by taking it seriously.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: So, so that means like when I'm doing my tuning, like like it doesn't happen very often that my gatekeeper says, Hey, back, back up. Only once is my gatekeeper says, do not continue. Hmm. It's not a good time. But, uh, A lot of the times I have to like ask them a few times before I'm ready. And I always feel better afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Nice. With, with channeling, there's like specific things that the gatekeeper is going to ask you to do. I've found uh, just for normal, for this kind of like personal guidance, I, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. In any case, what do I know? (laughs)
1: Just trying to figure. It out.
0: When you have concluded your work in consciousness Kuo says, remember to thank and dismiss the spirit in its two manifestations. To turn off the screen and physically to leave the sacred space. While the screen is on and you are working with the spirit, this procedure can be precisely that which we described above, with the pad of paper and pen or the computer and the keyboard being your method of communication of communicating and recording that communication. It can also be completely mental. The asset of having your words written down and the suggestions from spirit also written down is that it is objectified and can be referred to in your future. This becomes more important to you when you wish to follow the suggestions of your guidance. And we would suggest to you that once you have received suggestions from your guidance, it is extremely helpful to the process of following guidance to refer back to suggestions made during this process and follow them in so far as it is possible for you to do. Guidance has interactive qualities and those qualities are sharpened and articulated or made more detailed by the process of listening to guidance and following instructions this does not mean that you must follow orders of any kind what it means is that you are as active after a session of communication with guidance as you had been beforehand in asking for guidance i didn't really even appreciate how awesome that was that concept was until just now but they're saying the exact same thing that i said at the beginning the only thing that separates the mistake from the solution is time. The only thing that separates being separate from being unified is this weird concept of time that Mm -hmm. we go through, that things have to unfold over some sort of duration. And, uh, this asking for guidance and responding to the guidance received is part and parcel of the same dynamic, Mm -hmm. the same continuum. I think that's important because, uh, you're not going to spirit and your guidance as a supplicant. You're not going to it as, you know, tell me everything to do and I will do exactly what you want. And I will suborn my, all of my desires and interests. It's not what's, that's not what's asked. And that's not what you'd be getting. Mm-hmm. It's this participation. it's this give and take. It's this over time, building a relationship, uh, you know, it, just like uh in the uh transformation of the mind card with the lovers in the tarot, uh Ra says that the deep mind must be courted as the maiden. you are engaging in a relationship with these parts of yourself that will last over time and that will that will bear fruit in the long run. Mm-hmm. This is an investment, in other words. Mm-hmm. We would comment further before we leave the subject on the general nature of guidance, Kuo says. You come into incarnation with a guidance system that is composed of three parts. That tripartite nature of guidance is, in a way, a convention. But it is very helpful to realize that the energies of guidance are not simplistic or unitary in terms of the kind of information you are getting. There is what this instrument would call a yin or feminine side to guidance, having to do with nurturing and the immediacy of unconditional love. There's the Yang portion of guidance, which could be called masculine, which has to do with power and the right use of power. It can, and, it can also contain the energies of wisdom and discrimination. And I just want to, because of the times we live in, <laughs> I want to say that we are talking about archetypes. We aren't talking about literal males yes. and literal females. <laughs> yes. We all have both male and female within ourselves the point is is that when we work in these polarized ways the masculine and feminine can 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 draw out uh the, the 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 distinctions in that unified approach that are sometimes helpful when we're trying to gain a balance because in order to balance you have to go to the other side mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i just want to i just and i would if if this is something that the listener in any way finds offensive uh like I would I would I would read some Carl Jung. I would read some uh, philosophy on archetypes. Or uh, contact me and we can have a conversation about it. Because you know, even in the, in this in this era, there are people who are even identifying as neither masculine or feminine. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to feel alienated by this. I want them to understand that this is a tool to be worked with. It's not a way to limit yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not a way to make you feel that you don't fit in. It's just a way, like, it seems that third density consciousness is a lot about this. We talk about polarization, service to self and service to others, but polarization more broadly is this kind of way that we build power through imbalance, right? You push the ball, you push the rock up the hill because when you hit the lever, the ball will roll down and that creates the dynamics.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate the, um, um, the idea that yes, masculine and feminine does not equate to men and women. It refers to archetypes and these two, I guess, archetypes exist in different proportions in everyone. Um, and yeah, they're very, you know, they're certainly interesting archetypes to, uh, to learn about, but, um. But Yeah, yeah we make
0: our personalities by pulling bits and pieces from each of them and putting them together in a unique combination.
1: Yes. And one would hope that men and women can find balance between the two archetypes in each of ourselves, right? Our own. Well, it's important to find, yeah. it's important to find balance, <laughs> period.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and I think Kuo uh,
0: introduces a little bit of nuance in the next part. Mm. In many systems of magic, philosophy, and religion, these two energies are switched, and what we have described as feminine energies are assigned to the masculine or negative or yang energy and vice versa. It does not to our mind much matter how you define the qualities of masculine and feminine, yang and yin, negative and positive. It is more important by far that you see the dynamic between love and wisdom and so forth. So looking hmm. at these things in a polarized mm-hmm. manner, so you can see their, their extremes. Yes. And you can understand their character more, yes. right? Their nature. Kuo continues, the third aspect of guidance which, with which you are naturally endowed could be described as androgynous or sexless in that, it is the, it, in that it is that common ground which unifies guidance. It is also that energy which is most closely aligned with the process of moving within that shuttle, which is your spiritual nature to bring to you from the resources of your deep mind and the inner planes in general, those energies which are most helpful to you at a particular time. It is not necessary to give this third entity a habitation, a place, a seat with you, and so forth. It is far more necessary that you come into contact with the dynamic of masculine and feminine, yang and yin, positive and negative. In your very body, mind, and spirit, you unify this dynamic. But it is well to invoke spirit, if, you, so, if, you, if so you do, in a way which specifically honors and respects the dynamic of love and wisdom in your guidance system. I think that pretty much speaks for itself, huh?
1: Yes. Yes, very much so.
0: the The only thing that I think is of note that I didn't even notice until now is that they are identifying the the third androgynous, sexless part with the shuttle of spirit.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's an interesting detail that I never noticed. Because mm-hmm. I actually do incorporate this aspect into my uh, working working yeah. place. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they also talk about consciously invoking spirit. So it's interesting that they're talking about spirit in context of all this. Yes. Continuing, you have other aspects of your guidance as well, which you have accreted to your essence within incarnation because of the work that you are doing, the service that you are providing, the purity of your intentions and the sheer beauty of your soul. It is unknown at the beginning of an incarnation, what your guidance shall blossom into by its end. This instrument, for instance, has well over a dozen entities in many, many essences, which have attached themselves to her because of appreciation, either for her nature, her dedication, or the work that she has done within incarnation as a service to others. You, my sister, also have a multifaceted guidance system. It is not necessary for you to identify or know all of these different layers of guidance. It is only necessary for you to know that they are, by their very nature, incapable of harming you or giving you poor information. They also will work once you have asked for help. When you are outside of the sacred space that you have created, they will work for you in your car, during conversations in stores and shops and at the roadside. Therefore, all that you see once you have invoked guidance for the day has the potential for being full of messages from guidance. That seems pretty significant.
1: Um, Yes, I, but, what, but I love, let me finish that last paragraph because I, it yeah, finishes it up, it ties it in. He says, quote says, therefore, we encourage you to pay attention as you pass the street signs, the names of businesses, uh, the advertising billboards, and other sources of information that are completely random. Note those street names, business names, and so forth that resonate to you or that jump out to you. I like that just it's because that is, that is the, that is the guidance. It, it might be completely random, but, but with how you, how are, how you are now primed now that you've asked for guidance and you've gone through this progress process, certain things are going to jump out to you and you're going to make connections and you're going to make inferences and, and you brought up synchronicity earlier. You're going to start having these experiences that feel like you are getting, Explicit guidance or or palpable tangible guidance rather than just those maybe those uh squirrely ethereal feelings and intuitions that you might have had earlier.
0: Yes, and the only thing I would add to that very well said statement is that uh, it is through doing this work within yourself in this particular way, there's probably, there's probably millions of others too, Mm. but like, this is one of the ways that you can start to build this relationship so that it's working when you're out of your working space too. Like you, there, you know, it's just like what Jesus said, seek and ye shall find knock and the door shall be opened unto you. We have to put, we have to tell our greater selves that we want this. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that we have to do that. But I think the reason is, is that, like we said before, our participation, our cooperation is needed for all of this to work correctly. It's not just a conscious process, right? It's not just about the world. But that is part of it. It can't be – it also can't be like just uh, brushed aside. Yeah. So it's about balance and coming into a way where we can be our full selves in every context that we're in, whether it's metaphysical or physical.
1: I like this idea of uh, that this guidance system, as Quo states, is incapable of harming you or giving you poor information. And it makes me think that, well, what if you use this internal guidance and what if it leads you to down the wrong road, so to speak, and it leads you to this huge conflict? Well, Maybe. There's a chance that that is what you needed that that is actually maybe what you one of the things you signed up for pre-incarnation and you this is a lesson that you are required to go through in your life you've got to hammer out whatever challenge this is perhaps our guidance doesn't just it just doesn't just steer us clear of problems and it doesn't steer us down the direction of pure joy and happiness and everything is sunshine and rainbows you're going to hit rocks in your path, guidance or not. And it just makes me think perhaps maybe our guidance system pushes us or guides us towards some challenges that are very necessary in our personal growth.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be difficult to grade your guidance system on any kind of like consistent scale.
1: Mm -hmm. Good point.
0: From from what place do you do that? Are 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 you? It's kind of like uh, people who are super into like Abraham Hicks and the Law of Attraction, mm-hmm. and like what are they usually interested in attracting to themselves? Money, money,
1: money, money,
0: money, 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 <laughs> money,
1: money, 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 <laughs> money, money, money,
0: money, 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 money. But uh, but that and I and I and I think that that can be effective. Honestly, yeah, it's it's just it's a magical use of the consciousness, but. We just happen to hold the faith that there are (laughs) more valuable things to use that tool of consciousness to pursue. Uh, And I think that uh, the only other thing that I would say about this, this synchronicity, the the way that like, you know, you look at the clock and it says 1111 or three, 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 or you look at a road sign and it says something that reminds you of a conversation, a deep conversation you had, you know, all these different ways. Sometimes it's hard to see a message in it. It's just that it catches your attention. Remember, in the same way that like what we're looking for in dream analysis is the feeling, the emotion, the charge of consciousness that it has in it, that like quality that sometimes is really hard to put your finger mm-hmm. on. But it's like that's the thing that that was be, trying to be communicated to you. Yeah. And, 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 and the weird way that your dream like represented it was just the way that it represented it. Right. It's the same thing with synchronicity. I think like what you're looking for is that feeling of recognition. A lot of this guidance when it comes to synchronicities that happen to you randomly, to me, it's a lot about just being like, we're here with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh the way it was described to me once was it's the creator winking their eye at you. Mm. And so it doesn't need to be necessarily a discrete message that you process and act upon. It can just be a way of reminding you of the greater context in which your little life operates. Yeah. That itself is useful. Remember, it's all about perspective, points of view, focus out, focus in. We're trying to like be flexible as these different scales manifest, these different purposes manifest in our life at these different levels, it's all one thing, but because we are incarnate and we have this monkey brain <laughs> that wants everything to be binary, uh, we have
1: to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I'm certainly gonna give these a try. First, I, yeah. I'm definitely gonna try this uh, this writing exercise. And I think in, uh, in my meditation, I'm gonna try this visualization to create a workspace. I have never done that. Um, I'm gonna give that a try.
0: I, I would encourage you and the listener to try this. It's not necessarily going to be like easy uh, in the sense that like, it's just going to come to you or it's just going to feel right. The first time you do it, it's something you're going to have to like probably do a few meditations on mm-hmm. just on different details of, because what you're feeling for is that feeling essence under it that gives it the force and the power that's going to make it a useful symbol going forward, right? The symbols, the significance is not the symbol, right? Yes. Just like the bottle of soda, the significance of the bottle of soda is not the glass bottle. Mm. It's the stuff in it. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the signified, not the signifier, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So remember that you're using these symbols to reference deep feelings. And I think the best way to establish this correspondence is to find the feeling directly within you. Yeah. Then you can mobilize it with the symbol. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Heck yeah.
0: The only other part of this that we wanted to talk about was just expanding on the, uh, the synchronicity. Uh, Quia says, mm. consider that, consider them, i.e. the synchronicities and the implications of the phrases or the words involved. Note birds and animals that cross your path and ask yourself how they make you feel and what, if anything, they may have to suggest for you in terms of the way that you feel. And that's pretty much it for this. Mm part of the session we want to talk about. Okay. Um, but remember it's, it's about the feeling. Yes. Remember also that, um, in, during the raw contact, uh, raw suggested that seeing a hawk. When one of them saw a hawk during their day, mm-hmm. that that was kind of like a little bit of a signal that, that, that something significant was going on mm. for the contact mm-hmm. or in their paths. And, uh, <laughs> ever since then I, I i keep my eye out for hawks too because yeah. they don't they don't show up very often so when they do it's like it's very interesting oh. same thing with like owls i don't see a lot of owls so when i do see an owl like actually see one
1: I, i've never seen one oh wow i've never seen there are hawks galore out here but i've never seen an owl I, I take that back i saw one during an ultra ultra marathon it flew it was a it flew across me in the trail at like just past dusk so it was very dark but oh wow i hear them often they're loud as all hell (laughs) but uh
0: well when i when my wife and i were considering buying the house that we live at uh 13 years ago we saw an owl in the woods by the house and i remember thinking that that was a very significant sign oh and then not too long ago i we have a little ginkgo tree in our front yard that we planted when we moved in and it's now decent sized Mm -hmm. and um I remember an owl once uh was sitting in that tree, which isn't that big for an owl. And then like the owl took off and the wings came out. Oh and, man. Oh my God, this little bird became this huge creature. Yeah. I mean, that wingspan is intense. Yeah.
1: They're one of my favorite my favorite animals. Yeah. They're incredible. But um, well, we've uh we've
0: reached the end of what we want to discuss. Any uh any other thoughts you want to share?
1: I had one more story, but I think I'm gonna save it for, to, for the next time. Um, Oh boy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It was this is a, this is a good session. It provides some good, some good action items, you know, to try at minimum, some good action items to try. If we're going to try to help sort through our own, our own guidance issues, (laughs) you know,
0: if we're not giving you action items, then it's just listening to me and Ryan talk and, you know, muse and, that's not very useful. That's only so. fun
1: as a drinking game. If you're going to do that. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, then let's go ahead and uh, wrap it let's up. Let's do it. So thanks so much for uh, listening to the podcast. Um, I think we're going to probably be doing, uh, it's feeling like we're doing every two weeks now. Yeah. That, that, I like yeah. that. I, 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 uh, oh, every week was kind of rough discipline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Cool. Well, thanks so much for listening. As I said, thank you, Ryan. And in the meantime, dear listeners, stay in the love and light.